Alexandria. Well, t- today we start a new series on the uh, the, the Holy Spirit and the, the ministry of the Holy the Holy Spirit. And um, in my uh, um, you know, just preparation for that, it, this it's interesting that the, my study led me to one particularly pointed question um, that I found in a number of different places. You know what what is Human life. Ah, it's a nice, uh, easy question to explore on a Sunday morning, huh? Just a, what is human life? You know, it, is it simply a beating heart? You know, a functioning brain? You know, is it just the, the correct functioning of the, the, the stuff of our bodies? You know, are we simply a, a collection of chemical, biological, electrical functions? Now, granted, very complex and magnificent. But are our thoughts, our decisions, our actions really just the result of a bunch of Physical, material processes. That we ultimately are just matter. There is no soul. There is no spirit. Uh, we, we can't see that. We can't measure it. And it doesn't exist. Is that what human life is? That's a huge question in our day. And anyone that takes basic biology these days will be asking that question. But we believe um, that the scriptures tell us that human life is more than just the magnificent material that creates us. That, that even our, our brain waves, even though we can map them electrically and all that they're doing and how the thoughts are created, we, we believe there is more to human existence, to human life, than just the material that's before us. And the, I will say the ministry of the Holy Spirit is crucial to that at the very beginning, the creation of life. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We'll come back to this question a little more as we walk through some of the passages that uh, um, give us understanding of God, the Holy Spirit. Back to the very beginning. So our uh, first, we're going to spend most of the time Genesis 1 and 2. Um, uh, so you can turn there. Um, there uh, basically, um, it's the beginning, so it's page 1 in your pew Bible. If you want to turn there or you can follow along on the screen. And if you're a note taker, there's a couple other passages I'll allude to. Um, uh, that, uh, but I'll, I'll mention those as we walk through um, uh, this part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit at creation. Um, Let's pray together. Uh, Gracious God, we thank you for your written word that uh, gives us uh, truth, that gives us um, uh, the the events that have occurred of of your um, work um, in all of creation. Uh, And so, Lord, this is big stuff. This is uh, a whole lot more than just uh, our little lives uh, together. And so we ask that you would expand our minds um, in this time to... To, to take you in, not only what we think, but in what we, what we feel and into the very depths of our soul. 
Thank you again for your word. Prepare us to receive from you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so um, Genesis chapter 1, um, uh, starting verses 1 through 5. Um, we'll, we'll look there. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now just to, this is the, the first day. What, what all is captured even in these first five verses is a whole lot. And I'm only going to talk about, for the most part, what, where, where the Holy Spirit is in this. And even from our translation, you may be saying, well, yeah, where is the Holy Spirit? It doesn't say Holy Spirit in here anywhere. And that helps to um, uh, reveal to us a little bit of the, 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 the mystery of the Holy Spirit. One is the very word that means spirit, this translated spirit. Um, in uh, uh, Hebrew, it's ruach. Isn't that a great word? Yeah, it's just it's. You can always say that too if you need to just clear out your your uh, throat. You know. Um, uh, in in uh, Greek, it's pneuma. You know, and that one was where we get pneumatics. You know, that the the gases, the flow of air, that kind of stuff. Um, that's. Uh, uh, but both of those words can be translated spirit, wind, or breath. Any of those ways can be translated. And so what we have in uh, um, our passage here is the translators of uh, the New Revised Standard um, uh, saw it as a while a wind from God. So the the word there is um, Elohim Ruach. Now, there's nowhere else in the Old Testament is Elohim Ruach translated wind. It's it's God's spirit. Um uh, but there's an, enough question about these first five verses. Believe me, we could do a sermon series just on the first verse alone. Um, that would take eight, um, uh, eight weeks to fully understand um, uh, what the, the passage uh, is saying there. But, and so what our translators did is that, you know, it's just unsure. We'll let people decide. We'll call it wind of God. But I believe uh, that it, it fully is meaning the spirit of God. Um, and understandably, you know, for Moses who wrote this and for his audience who was reading it, they did not have the full-born understanding of the Trinity, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We, a- after the, the full revelation of God in the Scriptures, um, uh, the uh, life of Jesus, we have understood in the Christian church since the beginning the, the, of, of the church, really, the, the Trinity. Understanding God as Father, Son, and um, Holy Spirit. Now, um, just, just to take a, a moment to reflect on that, you know, the, the triune God, um, that uh, we, we understand God to be too magnificent to be one and too unified to be more than one. Yeah, you can just sort of hang with that for a little while. 
God is too magnificent to be just one and too unified to be more than one. We understand God to be three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, of the same essence, yet one God. That's part of the the mystery of the the very essence of God. And, and, you know, in a real convoluted way, that brings me comfort that we can't explain the existence and essence of God well. That it's beyond our capacities. If, if there truly is a God that we believe is the God who created the universe from nothing, who, who did put the stars in the sky, who is Lord over the sun and the moon, who is Lord over all galaxies, over the entire universe... If that God exists, which I believe does, which we believe is real, then it's going to be pretty hard to describe that God in a way we can fully understand and put in a nice little paragraph. That brings me comfort that we sit and try to explain and understand the very essence of God and we marvel and we get confused and he's so magnificent to be more than one but so unified he can't be more than one. That's the nature of God. And that it is one. That is mystery. And mystery in the sense that it's beyond our capacity ever to understand. And the only way that we do understand is as a gift from God. That He reveals Himself to us. He condescends to communicate to us in human language. And ultimate, the ultimate communication and revelation, of course, is in Jesus Christ. God the Son. Who became flesh. And, and so then as we look at the, the Holy Spirit. Um, we're also going to be challenged as we read through the scriptures. Right, was the spirit of God, wind of God, breath of God. Or that, is that all the, the same and ultimately from the same source? Well this spirit of God is here over this formless void and dark deep that we have in verse 2. And we're told that, the, that it's actually, again, what's translated while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. What um, the, the Hebrew says is that this, it's the, the Ruach of Elohim, so the, the Spirit of God hovering Or brooding over this formless, lifeless, purposeless place. Now, there's this word brooding, this word hovering, or what they translate here as sweeping over, is only used one other time in the Hebrew. Um, It's in Deuteronomy 32.11. Um, where it refers to an eagle hovering over her young, over her eaglets. Um, let me uh, turn there real quick. And it's, uh, again, Moses writing there. It's, it's, it's in the, the song of Moses, the very end of Moses. He's recapping for Israel God's love and, and blessing over them, God's provision um, over them. And... Uh, 
<clears throat> Moses is saying that God has, has sustained you, Israel, in a desert land, in a howling wilderness waste. God has shielded you. He's cared for you. He's guarded you as the apple of his eye. And then verse 11. As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young. As it spread its wings, takes them up and bears them aloft on its pinions. The Lord alone guided you. No foreign God was with you. So that's, that's the picture of this word now that the, the Spirit is, is hovering, is brooding, is, is overseeing now just this formless void, this darkness, this depth, this orderless, meaningless, purposeless place. And now, like a mother eagle over its eaglets, the Spirit is now hovering is now giving order. It is now going to lead to growth of this formless, void, dark, deep. This lifeless and orderless place. This is, I would propose to you, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is always bringing this order, is always bringing this growth. This is the the active work of God through the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Basil of Caesarea. Whenever you say that, whenever you just give a one name and then a place, that sort of gives it like extra authority. And you just know it's from somebody long ago. So we, we could say Andrew of Birmingham. Yeah, that, that, that gives a, a lot more, you know, weightiness to what it's saying. Well, Basil of Caesarea was a really smart dude who lived a long, long time ago. But he, but he was saying how the, the Spirit was preparing the place to produce living things. I mean, out of nothing, out of where there is no life, out of where there is no order, the Spirit is bringing forth order and growth. Just like an eagle. It's like an eagle is sort of messing with the nest, getting the eaglets, you know, it's time to move on, and then hovering over. You know, it's, it's really the, the movement of maturity, of maturing of the creation, that the Spirit is causing, is overseeing, is leading. And the Spirit is sustaining and continuing that order throughout creation today. Remind you of a passage in Acts chapter 17 when the Apostle Paul was speaking um, to the, a bunch of smart people in Athens, Greece. Where they would gather and they would discuss about the purpose of life and deep philosophy. And and there um, he was uh, um, meeting with them and and he comments how I saw a a statue out there about um, the the unknown God. Well, let let me tell you about this unknown God. Let me tell you about the one who is the creator. And, And he picks up this this presence, this active presence of the Holy Spirit who is continuing to give order and growth in all of creation. 
I'll pick up in verse 24 as he's speaking to this, uh, um, this group. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live. So that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said. For we too are his offspring. In him we move and live and have our being. God is not far from us because the Holy Spirit is at work in the material of creation, continuing to give order and to give life. He is the sustaining presence for you and for me and for all. There's a word of comfort here that if if indeed the Spirit is that presence in the the work of life continuing to bring order, that if the Spirit removed His presence, then everything would go back to lifeless, void, and formless, darkness, and and depth. It it would be total chaos. We We have no idea How thankful every moment of every day is that there is such order in creation because of the Spirit's work in all of the material of this world. There's great hope in what seems to be chaos and uncertainty in our world. You know, we, we see the, the chaos and uncertainty and the death that, that we bring, that we humans bring into the world. And the Spirit is regularly keeping that at bay, keeping that in order. For you, for me, and for all who we know. In the midst of your life where it might be totally out of control, or in the midst of your friends, your families, where it seems like they're total chaos, God is right there with them, keeping the very order that they do have. And is never far, as Paul tells folks in Athens. You can see why, if this is true, the Spirit is that present, if that real, in all of material, um, then you can see why uh, often he's called the shy member of the Trinity. Because he's there. The very fact that the chair that you're sitting on is holding together is a work of the Spirit in bringing order in the midst of chaos. That we just so easily take for granted. Let alone our very bodies. But we'll talk about that in, in a moment. Very, 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 uh, but the, the, the very fact that, that gravity is holding us here is a work of the sustaining order of the Holy Spirit. 
God indeed is never far from us. They're always right with us. That's the order that God brings. That we can always find hope. And even in the midst of our seeming disorder that we've created. Now, so the the Spirit is bringing order. He's bringing growth. And the Spirit is the one who gives life. Uh, Back to to Genesis 1. Um, You recall in the... Or actually we'll jump to Genesis 2, which is on page 2. But Genesis 1, 2, we're told that we are created. Human beings are created in the image of God. Um, Verse 26 and 27. Well, um, you have to turn there, but you can just listen to this one. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So even in that passage, you know, that let's create God in our image, an early indication of the Trinity, an early indication of the, the community of the Godhead. A Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in this creation. And also the uniqueness of humanity being created in the very image of God. Uh, being uh, created um, to one, worship God. It's the one distinction between humanity and all other life forms that we worship. Um, that we have relationship with the living God and have relationship with one another also. But then in uh, uh, chapter 2, we get a little more full version of that creation. And so if you um, look at uh, verse 7 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, remember what I mentioned earlier, that the word ruach can be translated breath, wind, or spirit. That's the same here. That he, this, that the spirit was breathed into human beings to take that which is inanimate and make it animate. He is the, the life-giving force. That, that takes the matter, the dust is the presentation here, and then breathes into it that very spirit, that very breath, that very essence of life. Um, uh, look at Psalm 104, 27 through 30. It's on page 483 in uh, your, your pew Bible. Um, And uh, this gives a a similar um, understanding of the breath of God. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. Now here, the, the psalmist is talking not just about humans, but all of life and the animal kingdom. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die 
and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Again, breath and spirit are the same word. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their spirit, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Even there, it's the the spirit who is the one who gives life. The spirit is the life-giving force. Breathing life into all that exists. You may recall in the the, uh, prophet Ezekiel, the familiar passage that many have heard of the valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel comes upon um, the the dry bones in a vision with the Lord. It's Ezekiel 37. And uh, um, uh, the... Has a conversation there with God about these dry bones and if they will ever live again. And the Lord tells Ezekiel to prophesy that these dry bones will live again. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live I will lay sinews on you and you will cause and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, prophesied that I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Again, every time you heard breath, you hear spirit. It's the spirit that the bones were there, the flesh was there, but there was no life. It was the very breath of God that brings life, that animates that which is inanimate. Now, this actually is a huge discussion in uh, among scientists these days. Does there is there a dualism in our existence? Is there something more than matter? Is there some kind of other force that is at work? It's, it's interesting, um, you know, uh, scientists who, who are not Christians are even uh, recognizing this reality. Um, one of the ways they recognize it is they, they do uh, psychological interaction with infants. Don't ask me how, I can give you the article and you can go uh, read it yourself to figure out exactly. But they interact with infants to see what, how they respond. And they respond differently to that which is inanimate and that which is animate. That which is not breathing and that which is breathing. They, they recognize early on that this lectern right here isn't going to move on its own power. But that I am. 
And this has caused scientists now to begin to develop a non-religious dualism. Now, we don't want to admit there's religious things going on here, but we can't explain some of these things just with matter. There must be a dualism of our existence. In a sense, matter and soul. Matter and, and not matter, they might call it. But we recognize that we as human beings are more than just machines made of meat. We are more than that. And then Christian scientists, uh, in some of the, the reading with them, they say this is, this is where theology gives meaning to the hard sciences. Where we say we understand where this soul comes from. That we are more than what we can measure. We are more than cells. We are more than electrical impulses or chemical reactions. The very breath we have and every breath we take is a gift of the Spirit of God. And that's true for every human. That's true for everything that that breathes. That is the work of Of the Holy Spirit. When He takes the breath away, when He takes His Spirit away, they expire. They no longer breathe. But when He brings His life back, His Spirit back, His breath back, then they are alive. This is why we take so seriously life. All of life. That's why murder, abortion, the death penalty, war are all a consistent question in the history of the church. Because we recognize any life that is ending is ending the work of the Spirit in that human being. And we recognize how close every human being is To God through the presence, the order, life-giving work of the Spirit today. For you or for others, the Spirit is right here. He's as close as our breath. He is the one who is giving us order of every day. He is the one who's giving us life every day. It's an immensity and a a power and an eternal power of God manifest in the Holy Spirit. That's why your life and the life of the person next to you has such great value. That's why your life and your body holds together because it has been ordered and developed. It's why our life together has such great value because the Spirit is the one who's brought order, direction, purpose. May your every breath be a reminder of the value and significance and brilliance of God. 
in creating and sustaining you and creating and sustaining the people around you. May your every breath be a reminder of God's Holy Spirit. Amen.